This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Good day, folks. This is your friend Dennis Conner uh, coming to you courtesy of the Specialty Produce Network. My friend Roger Harrington and his two brothers are very generous in letting me have a little airtime uh, down at Specialty Produce. And today we have a, a special project uh, going because we have a local guy here, this key part of the yachting community, my friend Dave Survey. And welcome, Dave, to Specialty Produce uh, Broadcast and, and Dennis Connor Podcast. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Dave um, grew up in Bellingham, uh, Washington, and there's a lot of sailing up there. People, they say, oh, Seattle area, they think, all, of course, it's the Buckins. But they spawned a lot of uh, other uh, very uh, quality people, including Dave. And uh, he, he migrated down to San Diego and got involved in the local scene. Uh, his wife, Julie, is very involved at the San Diego Yacht Club, out, runs the uh, Yachting Cup, and is uh, now deeply involved in the Transpac 52 or the TP 52 class. And D- Dave uh, really was one of the instigators there, organized it, sailed on one of the boats, and uh, is uh, very interested and knows an awful lot about these boats. So, Dave, I thought maybe you could bring us up today. What, what, what's going on with the 52-foot class? They have, they have races in San Francisco. They have the Cal Coastal races, races around Catalina, down to San Diego. Gosh, seems like an awful lot of going on, and I see a lot of them parked at the San Diego Yacht Club. Can you give us a little update of uh, what's going on in the fleet? Yes, yeah, so here on the West Coast, we have the Pac-52 class, which is sort of an offshoot of the TP-52s, which is kind of funny because the TP-52 originated here on the West Coast a long time ago and ended up finding its home in Europe, and now we're kind of bringing that back. Uh, so the Pac-52 is really similar to TP-52, but sort of the box rule and the model for them is that they're a little bit faster, taller rig, bigger sails, and a little bit lighter. Um, but they're also offshore capable, at, at least the ones that are purposely built to be Pac-52s are. Now, that's not to say you can't take a super serious TP-52 and bring it into the class and make it fit. Uh, you just wouldn't have the offshore capabilities that the the local ones that were actually built with all the offshore structure have. Um, so, so are, are these uh, Southern California, West Coast uh, versions of the uh, Transpac-52 are they f- faster than the boats racing in the Mediterranean that we hear a lot about in Europe? In most conditions, they would be. Um, maybe upwind and heavy air, they might be not quicker. But with taller rigs and a lighter boat, you know, for West Coast, where we have lighter winds and we do a lot of downwind racing, you know, that's what we built the boats for, was to go fast here on the West Coast. And what about the accommodations down below? I assume that they're, they're Spartan, uh, nothing... Uh, that you don't uh, really need for racing is is there, and but the uh, West Coast versions uh, uh, have bunks and and uh, same capabilities as the boats in the Mediterranean. Yeah, so the the real offshore West Coast ones like Bad Pack and Invisible Hand and Fox, um, they all have bunks um, which are removable for inshore racing. They usually take them out. They come in and out easily. Uh, they have little galleys. They have a nav station. You know all the stuff you need for offshore, but pretty much nothing. Or creature comforts, just bare minimum to go fast. I, I see um, these boats sucking up all of our best crew and uh, top-notch sailors. I'm assuming that they get compensated for this, and in some cases, uh, they, they uh, may be their sole source of, of of income. 
So if you have what, is there like 10, 11? How many crew is there on these big boats? So most of our sailing with about 14 crew. Um, but there's a limitation. You're only allowed to have seven professional sailors on board your boat during the buoy races. So that, that really limits how many pros. And you've got to find a bunch of good amateur sailors who are willing to go for fun as well. Wow. Sounds like a uh, big job in the organizing, just to, trying to uh, get 14 people all on the same page. Is what time are they going to show up at the dock and who, who's bringing the food and who's bringing the, the uh, other necessary items? What about the batteries? Uh, are they charged and the VHF is aboard and the binoculars? Yes, the uh, logistics involved in going on one of these regattas uh, must be close to a full-time job. Yeah, most of the boats have a full-time boat captain who manages all those logistics and, and makes sure everything's ready. And uh, and a lot of them also have really dedicated crews, especially on the amateur side. You know, you see a lot of the amateurs showing up to do work days ahead of time just, just for fun because they love the sport and they love the sailing. So it's a, it's a fun deal. So do you see the class growing here uh, on the West Coast and – uh, it seems to be flourishing in, in Europe. Uh, what about our future here? What can we expect? Yeah, I mean, you know, the boats are really well suited for the West Coast. You can do all the offshore races. Um, I think they proved that they, they do well when they took uh, first and second overall in Transpac last year, Invisible Hand and Badpack. And uh, Invisible Hand won the SoCal 300 last year. So, you know, you've got a really good dual-purpose boat. You can go win the handicap offshore races, and then you have inshore one-design racing uh, with a big fleet, um, you know, so there's there's a lot of bang for the buck in these boats. Um, so I think it's got a good future. And what about the uh, rest of the San Diego, Southern California area? We saw the uh, Yachting Cup seemed like it was a good success. The uh, Your wife, Julie, was she involved in, in this? Uh, she has been in the past? Uh, not this year. She's she's focusing full-time on the Pac-52 class as the class manager. So uh, she's, she's handed off the Yachting Cup, um, but, you know, the class was present at that regatta, and so... It was it was a good time. We had a, a really fun time there. A couple of young uh, boys to uh, look after probably keeps her a little busy when she she's not working on the uh, uh, running the class. So uh, I, I can see she, she probably has her hands full. And sorry that uh, we weren't able to get her in here to give us the real scoop on on what is going on at the uh, San Diego Boat Works, where the uh, bulk of our fleet goes for uh, rigging expertise from Dave and his crew, but. Uh, those boys are going to be uh, needing some attention here. They'll be out there fishing. They'll be out there sailing. They'll be terrorizing the school, and Julie's got to keep her eye on them. Yep. They've uh, got a two-year-old and a four-year-old boy at home. And, uh, yeah, hi, Ronan. Hi, Brendan, if you guys are out there watching. Um, yeah, they love it. So the uh, future of the, the uh, Transpac uh, or the 52-footers is, is bright here. Uh, it doesn't seem like the PHRF racing is getting any stronger, though. And although we did have uh, 125 boats entering in the most popular series, the CRA beer can uh, race has been going on now. We've had four races out of out of uh, ten, and it seems to just be as popular as ever. But some of the other PHRF racing around the, the Dennis Connor around the Coronado Island race used to have 50, and now it's down to 35. So uh, have to wait and see what happens with uh, the PHRF, but in any event, uh, expect the uh, CRA to continue to be the strong uh, organizing authority for the local racing in the Bay. Very popular, and uh, the, 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 the Carolyn uh, Sherman very much involved, and and the race committee chairman at the uh, Cortez uh, 
racing is uh, very switched on and it makes uh, very uh, good racing. So, Mrs. Cook, uh, good on you for that. And uh, anything else that you could tell us about what's going on here locally, Dave? The, the Point Loma High School team seems to be doing well uh, with a great coach and a mentor there. Uh, anything else you think that our our listeners would uh, care to know about Southern California? Yeah, I mean, just in general, it seems like there's a lot of good racing going on. Um, it seemed windier the last year or so. Um, so a lot of the races, we've getting a lot more wind, which on our on our rigging side, we're we're seeing the results of that. People upgrading their boats to try to handle it. Uh, we just had a really windy SoCal 300 race, which is part of the California Offshore Race Week, and um, you know, a lot of boats were out there in 35 knots of wind. We had some some injuries and some Coast Guard rescues on that one, but then also a lot of boats successfully complete that course. So that was pretty cool to see. Uh, that goes successfully. Um, yeah, it seems like there's a lot of good stuff going on oh. out there. Oh, great, Dave. Thanks for the uh, thorough update. I'm sure some of the folks here that uh, aren't capable of uh, seeing what was going on in real life here in San Diego have a better feel for it. And speaking of wind, uh, wow, what about that uh, Volvo Around the World race? Isn't that something? After going in the uh, Ensenada race and seeing how uh, the tracker worked. I got really uh, more more interested in the Volvo race, and then they turned the tracker. Instead of the last six hours being turned on, they've had it on for the entire race. So, uh, those of us that are really hardcore sailors, when you're not uh, talking on the phone or writing an email, it's easy to to uh, turn on the tracker and see what's going on. I, I've especially enjoyed the uh, race from Brazil to Newport. Uh, not a great deal of drama on the way to Newport, but once they got to the Newport and uh, tried to get into that bay against the current in the middle of the night and in the fog, I was speaking to Charlie Dana. He says, we can't see the boats, but we can see the top of the mast uh, sticking up. And uh, lo and behold, right coming to the finish, uh, out of uh, Goat Island was the former leader, and then out, out of the uh, uh, looked like coming out of the bridge, from nowhere comes Brunel, and within uh, a minute, the two boats finished. Very, very exciting uh, race from Brazil to N- Newport. Then across the Atlantic, talk about a divergence and uh, more just a weather drama going on. Half the fleet went uh, the Rumline route, the traditional route north, and the other half fleet uh, rode a low pressure down towards Bermuda. The southern route had wind the whole way, sailed 300 extra miles. And when they came together, coming in the English Channel, lo and behold, uh, the, the Southern group, which I never thought they could get back up there, uh, came out ahead and won a very tense uh, race against the current, uh, trying to get into Cardiff in, in uh, uh, Western England, in Western U- UK. And uh, Brunel, again, successful again. And uh, moving up the leaderboard and now only three, four points behind uh, as the fleet leaves Cardiff for uh, around the top of uh, Ireland, toss the top of the UK, Scotland into the the channel, uh, headed over to Norway, and then finish in Copenhagen. And as we speak, for those of you that um, do have access to a computer, I think that in about uh, two hours, two and a half, three hours, you're going to see the conclusion of really of of the race because right now uh, Brunel is uh, past the uh, map free on the way to the finish. 
28, 29, 30 knots of wind, saw speeds of 25, 26, 27 knots of boat speed. So imagine coming to the end of the 44,000-mile race, and, and you can watch that. Uh, just go on the Volvo Ocean Race slash tracker, and you'll be able to watch the uh, finish uh, on the computer. And then the last hour or so, they, they may have a live broadcast if you just go to the Volvo Ocean Race. And uh, the way it looks right now with Brunel uh, uh, leading uh, the race, they, they made a pass during the night. Uh, uh, Rogers got that uh, up on, on the screen. I can't read it. My eyes aren't, aren't that good. But it still looks like they they're, have a modest lead with uh, 56 miles to go. They're going uh, 25 knots. So anybody can divide 25 into 56 and come up with uh, two hours and 14 minutes from now. It's uh, 11 o'clock. So uh, t- two hours from now, it's uh, 1 o'clock, one uh, thirty San Diego time. And uh, you, you'll see uh, uh, if, if, unless there's a breakdown or a uh, wolf trap coming in, into uh, uh, Copenhagen, uh, Brunel's going to win this race and Maffrey's going to be second. And they're going to be tied at the top of the standings with uh, the uh, uh, scoreboard there. Dungfried uh, f- uh, fell back. And they're going to be a point behind, uh, so uh, the race uh, from here goes down down to uh, the 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 Hog in the Netherlands. There's the two boats from the Netherlands. I guess why they're going down there would have seemed natural to finish to me in uh, Copenhagen, home of Vo- uh, Volvo. But they're going to go down to uh, pay some homage and do some marketing, uh, pay some bills there in a uh, day race. A uh, 150 mile day race with three boats virtually tied for the for the lead. It's interesting in the uh, way they're going to break the tie. If it ends up being a tie, I obviously the two boats at the top uh, are not going to be tied because one's going to beat the other. But it it, it is possible uh, theoretically to have a tie. In which case they've had some inshore exhibition races, and Matt Free has won. Uh, more points than anybody else. So if it's a tie, Matt Free will be declared the winner of the uh, the 2018 uh, Volvo model, uh, Volvo Ocean Race. As far as what's going to happen in the future, this is really uh, a European-driven event. This is where the sponsors uh, are focused, uh, where they're trying to get the return on their investment. I'm not sure what a race like this costs when – when I uh, uh, I've done this race twice, once um, I, as a matter of fact, I uh, was thinking about this the other day. Uh, I set the uh, transatlantic record uh, going across the Atlantic in the Volvo 60, and I thought, wow, we're really doing something special here. It took us ten days to get across the Atlantic, and now they're doing it in in, in seven days. And we thought that oh well, a big run, four hundred fifty mile run. Now, now these boats, uh, basically the same boats, same amount of crew, just being sailed harder, being sailed better, better sails. Uh, doing uh, two boats had over six hundred mile run with a monohull. So, Dave, you can uh, relate uh, with wh- how fast that must be. But uh, you know, averaging close to twenty five knots, twenty four hours at a, a stretch with no breakdowns, no crew problems. Uh, uh, just incredibly how hard, uh, hard these boats are being driven and how fast these new Volvo bo- boats uh, are. What will happen in the future? Gosh, don't know. It'll depend upon uh, how the sponsors f- 
feel about the return on their investment? Did they get good value? Because without the money, there's not going to be a race. So uh, you can you can have a sponsor, but without participants uh, signing up to come, uh, who knows? So we'll have to wait and see. But I've really enjoyed the tracker. I've enjoyed I've enjoyed the live uh, broadcast of the start of the race. And I think if you turn into the finish or the start of the, of the race uh, down to La Hague, um, the northwest uh, portion of Europe, uh, that uh, you'll see some exciting racing and uh, enjoy our last few hours. So that, that, that's about it there. Then nothing uh, much of great interest in the America's Cup. We saw that there's a second uh, entry to uh, uh, join the uh, Italian entry that was already there. So we'll have two Italian teams and a strong uh, Br- uh, British team. As as we know, Ben Ainsley switched sponsors, caught 135 million bucks in the bank to do so, and he'll with that money and his expertise and drive, they're they're going to be dangerous to uh, challenge the New York Yacht Club entry. So we have the the Prada for sure good challenger record, and a new entry from Italy may push uh, push the Italians to uh, bigger and greater heights in the America's Cup. But not really a lot going on now. They've settled the venue down. They got the money. Grant Dalton got the money. So there'll be champagne popping over the Dalton house now. And uh, many of the crew will now uh, get caught up on their compensation. So things are all good in Auckland right now. Uh, We'll have to wait and see how the new boats turn out. They'll be in the water in less than a year. It'll be interesting to see uh, how it all is going to work. So that's about the uh, latest from... The Specialty Produced uh, Podcast, Dennis Connor, Dave Survey. We're here to say thank you for letting us be part of your life for a few minutes and look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today.